Life is full of personal wins. Whether it's cleaning your house, getting that dream car, or checking off your to-do list, winning at life is a great feeling. And with the State Farm Personal Price Plan, you can keep winning when you create an affordable price just for you by bundling home and auto. So give yourself a round of applause. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash Wondery, code Wondery. Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 188. It is upon us. Today is the launch day for the Nerdist channel on YouTube. That's youtube.com slash Nerdist. Uh, we've been working really hard on this for several months. So we're going to have a ton of programming rolling out in the coming months. Um, today, my show, Chris Hardwick's All-Star Celebrity Bowling, launches. Uh, we bowl team Machinima. Uh, tomorrow, face-to-face with Weird Al Yankovic. That's Tuesday, April 3rd. And then uh, Comic Book Club Live, Ain't It Cool News with Harry Knowles, Weird Shit from Japan, and uh, Kids in the Hall, all launching this week. In addition to, uh, you know, like we're pulling in all the hard and firm videos onto the Nerds channel as well. And we'll have some new stuff there uh, on, on the H&P front soon. But, but really, um, this is a thing that I, we're super, super, super excited about. And I've been working really hard on. And I hope you like it. You know, we're going to see if people are interested in watching television-style programming uh, on the web. Um, so please go to youtube.com slash Nerdist. Click subscribe. Uh, it would be tremendously helpful to us and allow us to keep creating programming. Throughout the year, we're going to have shows like Star Talk with Neil deGrasse Tyson, shows from Rob Zombie, um, shows covering cosplay, technology. Uh, Neil Patrick Harris is doing a puppet show. There's going to be a lot of fun stuff. So please, please, please click subscribe so we can keep making more of it. I would like to say that this episode of the Nerds Podcast is brought to you by Amazon.com, and we're going to put a little Amazon badge on the post for this podcast on Nerdist.com. So if you just click on that Amazon badge and then go shop on Amazon as you normally would, anything you buy, uh, a little bit of that will go to supporting the Nerdist Podcast. So go ahead and do that if you if you want to, if you want to. Uh, I pretty much am afraid of stores anymore. I shop on Amazon almost exclusively. <laughs> I just hate lines and crowds. And yet, I spend most of my times in airports. So if there was any way that Amazon could teleport me to places, then um, that'd be sweet. But until that happens, um, I'll just buy things from them and still go to the airport. This episode of the Nerdist Podcast is, uh, you know, I Mark Marin is a guy who uh, really has done amazing things, not only with stand-up, but with podcasting, and and I always feel like there's a little bit of a healthy competition between us, but not in the, um, I want to salt the earth kind of competition, just to like, you know, he's a guy that makes sure that I try to step up my game as much as possible, because I know that Marin's out there doing amazing things in the world of podcasting, and uh, and also in, in stand-up comedy, and so, you know, it's, uh, it's a real... It's a real honor to have him on. Uh, I, I thought he hated me for years. Actually, I think he did hate me for years. We talked about this when I went on his show. 
But uh, but I think we've uh, I think I can uh, now comfortably say that we're pals, and I'm glad we are. And this episode was was incredibly enlightening and fun, and I actually came away from it learning about podcasting and learning about stand-up and learning about stuff as myself as a stand-up. So, um, I don't know. It's just really cool to be on with an upperclassman <laughs> like Marin. I still feel like a freshman. I still feel like a freshman in this game. And uh, Marin's a senior. He's really cool and he just hangs out in the lunchroom and smokes cigarettes. And then I just, ha- I, I'm in the chess club and uh, I'm trying not to get beaten up. So, uh, here's the Nerdist Podcast episode number 188 with WTFs and comedies, Mark Marin. Now entering Nerdist.com. I should bring a code. Recording. Right? All right, I've started. Rec- I've started recording, but we can without Jonah. Front part out. Well, I don't, he's not here. What are we gonna do? All right, fair enough. Man's got to go. He's, the man's got to be someplace. So, all right. I, I just. Uh, I don't have to be there till seven fifteen. Oh, okay. Look at him working the dial. He knows how to work this shit. It might... got, got a little short over here. Got a little short. <laughs> a little oh, short. is it? I got my right. You want right. this one? No, no. I don't think it's that. I think it's the. Uh, it's the connection between that and the other thing. See, I don't know how to fix to talk about uh, sure. plugs. Like, what, what is that, three-quarter? That's a quarter inch. That's a quarter inch. Yeah. And yeah. what plugs into it? An eighth uh, inch. Eighth, well, 3.5 millimeter. 3.5 millimeter. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. See, that's not that's my, my bag. I go, you know the earphone kind for the <laughs> yeah, for a big stereo? Earphone. And they're a little earphone plug. <laughs> I say I say guitar to headphone. That's good. Guitar <laughs> yeah. to headphone. Yeah. Okay. Or uh, or new headphone into classic, classic radio headphone. Right. <laughs> classic. But these aren't RCA plugs. RCA plugs are the things that go in the back of the stereo. Boom. He's right. Got yeah. It. yeah. He's got it. Yeah. That's all you need to know, right? The RCA but, cables. Now you need to know component cables. You need to know HDMI cables. You need no, some... no. That's completely Man, not. There's S-Video. That, for me, <laughs> all that, gone. All that is, is totally like uh, the thing that goes in this hole. <laughs> that's all you need. <laughs> <laughs> I, need, I need a this to a this. Yeah, I need a thing that goes in. I don't know if I have a hole for this. There's That's no. Another. That, oh, wait, Jonah Ray's Whoa, brought you, headphones you brought for everyone. Headphones? Thank yeah, you, Jonah. Hey, Jonah Ray, the headphones Do bunny. Do you have the adapter, Jonah? Someone uh, sent me some really nice headphones. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I have People must too. send you all kinds of stuff now, a right? A lot of stuff. A lot of personal stuff. Interesting artwork. I get a lot of interesting folk art yeah. from people. Yeah. Mosaics, wood burnings, wood. What do you call that when you wood burn? Yeah, that's exactly it. Wood uh, yeah, burning, some yeah. guy did a wood burn in my face. Pieces of wow. skin. Someone gave me a, a set of <laughs> candles that he made with his teeth. He uh, carved the candles with his teeth. Uh, but no, I, I talked about losing my headphones and some the management of Reza. Is that oh, the guy's yeah, name? Yeah, yeah. Sent me the, the Reza headphones. the Reza headphones. We got a, a block. I'm of, reviewing uh, those next week. We got a block of, of a human tit cheese carved uh, in our uh, with the logo. No, we never that'd got be amazing that. though. We never got that. A human tit cheese. That's rough. <laughs> that would be. <laughs> you know, breast milk in general kind of gives me the willies. There was a, a restaurant in Santa Monica that was for a little while. There was a special, and it was made from his wife's breast milk. In England, they were yeah. serving breast milk ice cream, and then they shut it down because that's they have not a healthy. Sweatshop of lactating women. <laughs> I'm doing yeah. all I can. That's where I should work. 
hands in the henhouse <laughs> just complaining. Look, it, just look, it just looks like naked lunch, just all these creatures yeah. just like strapped yeah. up, and those people are yeah. just like we siphoning. We need more for the peanut butter cup. <laughs> yeah. More mugwump cheese. It's a scene from the new Terry Gilliam movie. Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> you got a lot of pills there, Mark. These are vitamins I thought I was going to take this morning. I mean, and then, then I thought I was going to take... When I leave my house, I seem to think I'm going camping. No, and I, <laughs> you never know what's going to happen. So you have literally every vitamin that a human being could take. Well, I, my dad, who uh, at the time was very into vitamins because he thought it was uh, curing his depression, but since he's gotten depressed again, has turned his back on them, <laughs> uh, got me on these. And yeah, I don't, I'm not sure. I know these are fish oil. This is pheno, 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 phosphatidylcholine, good for the head. Magnesium, vitamin D, little baby aspirin because I'm old. Uh, <laughs> DHEA and uh, and these are vitamin C's because I got a little bit of cold. Where are the blue ones? The blue ones are uh, ma- they were called memory revitalizer. That's what you take. They're made by some uh, some dude that was a friend of my dad. Who my dad refuses to admit he might be a crackpot, and clearly, you know, I am also in denial. Is that the pill you take to see the Matrix, or is that the one you take? To I am in the Matrix now. I don't uh, know what you guys are doing. You take yeah. the red pill to see the Matrix, and uh, I think I you take the blue pill to this wake up in your bed. I took the one with a happy face on it. What's that one? Uh, you, that means you get to be on a podcast. You oh, took the podcast pill. Great. <laughs> Sorry. So what happens now? Do you guys? Start Start it in some way, or are we are we halfway done? Oh, okay. are we halfway done? Yeah. Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast. This is the most unbranded event that I've ever been to. Welcome a, to a the Nerdist Hardest, Podcast for a Chris Hardwick uh, joint. <laughs> <laughs> I was expecting a swag bag of Nerdist products like shampoo, I, uh, facial cleanser. <laughs> I heard uh, I heard oh, from someday. numerous sources that you you performed at the you did the Wednesday which was it the Meltdown show yes. and you said something like Welcome to the Brandest Theater. Yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, Jesus you, Christ, you're gonna have to take a couple hits, Hardwick. You know. We're, we're, Wait a minute, though. I, I got a sec, Baron. Just let me check something out here. You, there, there is. So you're doing your IFC show called Marin for free, then? Oh no, I'm not talking about money. Oh, I'm just, gotcha, I'm just gotcha, talking gotcha, about gotcha, the, gotcha, the gotcha. malignancy of the brand. <laughs> I mean, I'm not even clear whether my podcast isn't on your network, is it? <laughs> you are. You've been doing great. You're it's doing on, really on, well uh, for us. It's on Earwolfist. <laughs> does, it, does this mean I'm officially a nerdist uh, product? Well, but you don't, need, you don't need any of that stuff, though. I mean, like, I, who was I talking? Oh, I was talking to Kevin Smith yesterday, and so we were sort of talking about, like, if there was a face of podcasting, I'm like, well, it's Mark. Mark is the face of podcasting really? now. I think so. Oh. Absolutely. I, I think that's uh, very nice of you to say. I, I don't, uh, you, you know, the, the IFC thing came about in, in sort of an interesting way. Um, I don't know why I just went there. Well, because actually I do want to hear I, about I can't, I can't handle the, like, you know, I'm not the face of podcasting. Am I the face of podcasting? Does podcasting so, have a face? It's an, it's an oral Oral. Well, I, I think that my face. Well, no, I, I understand what you're saying. You can saying. be the voice. I podcast, am thrilled on, on that that it worked out somehow. I yeah. mean, this was a, a project of pure desperation that seems to have <laughs> have panned out pretty well for me. It almost sounds like that old uh, that old insult. Yeah, you got a face for podcasting, kid. Yeah, well, that's yeah. What, yeah that was very close to that. Yeah, you got a face for radio. Yeah. yeah, sure. Do you remember the first time you saw a guy that was uh, that you heard on radio? Oh, no, it's tragic. Awful. It, I remember it well. I was in like seventh grade, and we all listened to yeah. Bobby Box on KQEO. He played oldies and 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 the hits, and he came and hosted a dance at our school. And uh, he was like a dwarf, and no. yeah, oh, almost. Wow. Is that still a good word? Can yeah, you still sure. use dwarf? Right. No, no, I'm just saying. Word. Wow, that he, I... he was a dwarf, and he was wearing a leisure suit, and he had too much hair. You know, like it, it was <laughs> yeah. all spray painted. It was like, hey, everybody, and we're like, oh my god. Most, yeah. most people in radio look like they were cast by Guillermo del Toro. There's like, a guy uh, named David Allen Boucher who did like Magic 106.7 back in Boston, and I could never find a fucking picture of him. 
Probably, yeah, probably, probably, probably reason. a reason for that. Yeah, yeah. Or if no you face. see, or if on that, like on the websites, when the websites started to, when you started to get visuals on people and you'd see a picture of them, you're like, you know, it's tough to tell, but that picture looks a little eighties to me. Yeah, and then you see them the, in person and they're just like fucking crypt keeper. Uh, there was yeah. a, there was a good alternative station in Hawaii called radio free Hawaii. And I remember they were doing a, a an event somewhere in the cat. Like I think every rock radio station has a girl that calls herself cat sure. yeah. cat in the afternoons. And then, uh, is she, went, is she driving the show? Because there's a difference in girls on radio. There's the, the, the ones who drive yeah, the show. it was her show. She was and then drive. there's the ones who sit on the side and go, oh, fellas. Yeah, yeah. She was, she was a drive time. Just, yeah. No, come on, guys. Yeah, come on. Come, come on, on, guys. Hey, all we're trying to do is just talk about boners over here. <laughs> oh, like, what's the problem? Oh, like, you've seen those before. Yeah, yeah. I have one. Yeah. Oh, oh, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Put that away. <laughs> all right, guys. So what about this cat? Oh, no, I went and she was uh, really insanely hot. I th- well, radio is kind of uh, interesting. I, I, I have a tremendous respect for it that I never realized. Like when I used to do comedy before I did morning radio for two years, you'd go in, you'd be like, who's this guy? And you, you never knew why. Why is he being a dick? Because <laughs> he's the king of his region in that yeah. time slot. He he's the morning guy. Yeah. And you used to, there used to be discomfort and a challenge to it. And sometimes they'd fuck you. But after I did morning radio, I realized that when you do morning radio, you, you're all of you are amped up. You're up at four in the morning, and you're taking people to work, and this uh, thing has got to go. Yeah. And when somebody walks into your studio, all your thing is like, "Don't fuck this up. Don't fuck. <laughs> We're on a groove here." <laughs> also, I have built also, something. Also, yeah. you're a little. Uh, I I did morning radio for a year in Los Angeles, and I remember being dead inside because I was so fucking tired. Oh yeah, and, and when you get in a groove, you just like you don't want it to be. You, you don't. The they don't listen to people. Because you almost can't fucking listen to people because you're so like, got to keep moving, got to keep moving, yeah. and you're kind of and you're just too tired to give it like yeah. that that scene in Almost Famous with Harry Shearer, like, uh-huh, right? Uh-huh, yeah, yeah, uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> oh, uh huh, uh huh. <laughs> just doing the tapes, doing all the tapes and stuff. Like I heard uh, Seacrest is like though. that. What? Ryan is like apparently like I like someone had a video of like uh, like Ryan like doing an interview, but he's like changing tapes and like right. doing all this stuff and like and, and, like asking legitimate questions with the whole time. Ryan's making working notes. nine other jobs yeah. while he's interviewing that. He's literally making a million dollars a second while he's interviewing yeah. that person. Is he making a million dollars right now? Probably. Wow, that's amazing. Just that's now. pretty crazy. I don't know how much I'm making now. Maybe I sold a poster. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually yeah, I'm losing money right now. You are? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because of this, I'm not running over to my meter to fill it. But, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, but no. you're right, though, about the exhaustion, man. Because when, uh, when I was doing Air America, we were getting up. I had to get up at 2.30 or three because we actually had to do news it wasn't it wasn't anything you could kind of walk through we had to crunch news because it was all politics is that when you so, got sober no no <laughs> i got sober a long time yeah. i had a long time before that but i did get that feeling that's the, the worst thing about having done cocaine at any point in your life <laughs> is anytime you're up at that hour of night you're like you, you get the drips and you're like yeah. no i'm not doing it i'm not it's coming back to me <laughs> but uh but no, but the, that that feeling of exhaustion that you can never and you don't even look at the chunks of sleep as uh, you just all you're thinking is like if I can get out eight hours somehow, yeah, like two hours here and then three hours here, and you sort of adjust to that. But I used to say it felt like I was uh, I was just in a very long pillow fight. I just felt like all kind of numb in my <laughs> yeah. head and I could not uh, ever register. Anything. Not a specific pain, but just an overall dull. You, you just always feel shitty. 
Yeah, and it doesn't matter what time you go to bed. No, uh, you, it's just that we are not designed to get up for work That's at right. three o'clock in the morning. That's Our bodies are not designed. Tell for that. that to farmers. <laughs> okay. That's no. why you got to hand it to uh, to the the Good Morning crews. I always uh, pay my respects to radio. If without radio, we would not be doing this, fellas. No, definitely not. Definitely not. And it's funny, but but a lot of them now are you know like oh, if, have you noticed when you go do radio interviews oh, yeah. for like morning radio, they're like yeah. so uh, should I be getting into this podcasting thing? Yeah, about a year <laughs> ago you should have. <laughs> 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 Should we podcast a radio show? No, because it's well, way they, too t- topically shitty. Well, they get well, they get so uh, you get spoiled because those guys who have been on the air in the morning or in the afternoon for twenty years are making good coin, and they got deals with sponsors, and they're you know they're entrenched in the business community of their region, and it's a tough jump because there, uh, there was that guy Marty Reamer, he uh, up in Seattle, he used to be the comedy dude, he was. Uh, the dude that championed Maria and Gaffigan, mm-hmm. Berbiglia, a lot of cats. He used to have an afternoon show up there. And then he, he, he left, and he started doing a live streamer in his house. And I went up and did that, and he's like, oh, yeah, I'm back on the radio. <laughs> you know, he, I, I mean, because it's a big undertaking, and there's a big risk for guys who are making a quarter of a million a year. Yeah, wow. and, and especially, you know, it's funny when people go, well, how come you, why are you get the podcasting? It's like... Because no one else would hire me at the time. That's right. why I, that, that's yeah. what happened. But I why, need to do my own thing. And also the answer is, like, because I don't want to be you. you yeah. got to cut to a Vermont teddy bear commercial. How much say do you have over what you sponsor? You, you know, there's this idea. Zero. Well, they don't. Exactly, no, they don't. But we do. Yeah. And I try not to get uh, too, too resentful because there are some dudes that have such big egos out in the radio world. And I've heard, you know, something got back to me about a guy who's a, who's a big radio guy. But mm-hmm. no one, it, 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 don't try to guess who it is. Is. But he apparently said to another comic, he's like, these podcasters, they don't even, uh, they don't know what they're doing. They don't reset their guests. And I'm like, what? No, because we don't have to. <laughs> because you're choosing to listen to the show. You're like, who's on this show? He said at the beginning, and I'm still listening. Oh, my like, God. Because you don't come back and go, uh, I'm talking to Matt Myra. Uh, if you somehow oh, fast forwarded to the middle of this podcast, we're here with Mark Marin. <laughs> well, we set our show on a roulette setting, so you never that? know when it's going to start. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Plus, it's the name of the fucking show. Yeah. But you yeah. got there, what's going on with my chair? Oh, you no, got the chair falling down. No, I, I put my legs up like I usually do, and then I'm now. Oh, oh yeah, you caught that. I'm falling. Oh, Mark, please. Are you okay? He's shrinking. And that was the. Yeah, that's the one. That's the one. Press I'm that one and sit. <laughs> Press that one and Where's stand up. Where's my cereal? It's going. God, I miss cereal. I had cereal today. What's, well, what's wrong with you? What do you mean? What's uh, wrong with me? Look at look at the anorexic hardwood going. I'm not there. Anore- I, I am. I am no, don't even start with me. You exercise anorexic. I, uh, I know what you are. I'm I, doing a six day. Are, are you exercising fast. right now? Tell me the truth. What's going on with your legs right now? I are you did, exercising? No, I just. This is. I'm just doing something for. You know, this is fun. That looks yeah. weird to me. This Why are fun. you on a bike chair? <laughs> <laughs> it's extra funny. It's two more miles. You're wearing it's two more shorts. Miles. I'll be good. Yeah. I'll be good, you guys. I just got to get up to 170. I just yeah. got to get to 170 beats per minute. You know you're out of shape when, like, the day after, you're like, why are my abs sore? Oh, because I had sex for five minutes last night. Oh, that is out of yeah. shape. Boom, boom, boom. That's the sound. That's the sound I made. Uh, that's the other thing you have boom, in radio boom. is that 360 machine. Oh, we yeah, have one. We just don't know how to use thing. it. Look, it's right oh, here. Yeah, yeah, I have, yeah, I have one that I stole. Oops. Uh, I mean... I don't think I, I don't no, know who's going to... You had that uh, sound effect I hope no, one America. Involved, no one's involved at the uh, Air America no. uh, bankruptcy uh, proceedings heard <laughs> yeah. me say that I have a piece of equipment worth $200 <laughs> that I borrowed. Uh, <laughs> I think if I think Air America is probably has more important things to do than track down their 360. Like, yeah, yeah, I know. Like, figure paying out, off. Yeah, I don't know what's going on there. But those things are actually pretty amazing machines. Like, you can... Like, if you got a guy that knows how to do that, you know, you can program, uh, you can put in uh, new segments. You, you can do up to, like, five or six minutes on each 
one of those buttons. Yeah. So there's a lot of things you can do. Uh, maybe we should get someone here who can explain it to us. That sounds like exciting radio. Yeah, maybe a, that'd be a hell of a podcast. He's just going to walk us how to walk us through how to use a 360. Today on Radio Free Podcast, we're going to talk oh about the God. instant replay 360 machine. We should go to that podcast. How you class. can have a That's machine flappers. gun sound effect for seven minutes. Is there a podcast in class at Flappers? <laughs> sure yes, is. Pete Holmes. Yes. Pete Holmes sent me a picture of Hey, get into the exciting world of podcasting. Mark Maron, Chris Hardwick, and Kevin Smith have done it. So can you? Jesus. What's the guy's name? I don't know. Because Louis Anderson, I, <laughs> dude. I was talking to my partner about that, and because I'm supposed to, I've been invited to speak for about podcasting at some big event in New York, and the guy who's running it sent me an email, and he's one of those guys. At one of those guys, like I've done thousands of hours worth of podcasting, I can set you up with this kit, and it's a, a links uh. to software for certain amounts of money. But I, I asked my uh, my buddy about that, and he said that's a great sign because that means that the medium is actually legitimate when you have these crackpot consultants that used to be those guys that showed up at radio stations. Yeah. Hey, yeah. he's a consultant. What does that mean? I like he's a con man, yeah. and he's going to sit us all down with his big system <laughs> that means nothing. They, well, they look, you know, like there are people, and I'm not, I'm, I don't have this particular gene, but there are people who can look at something and spot a trend and then go, ah, other people are going to want to figure out how to do that. And yeah. even though they don't need me to tell them how to do that, because it's not hard. They're the same kind of guys that go, I, like, I'm a big picture guy. No, I'm not a nuts and bolts guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a big you idea could, guy. You can literally explain to someone how to start a podcast in five minutes. Yeah. Press record. We have doors that. But I always tell people, it's the same kind of guy who sells you vitamins. Like, you know, you buy it, yeah. right? You literally have snake oil in there. Yeah, well, yeah, no, it's, <laughs> it's fish oil, but that's better for you. I hear snake, is snake oil good? <laughs> yeah, it's really good. Here, 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 here. Yeah, yeah. Oh, thanks, man. I, yeah. I never heard like of that. What does it do? Pill, what does it do? Everything. What doesn't it do? Really? Yeah, way too much. It makes this scrawny guy beat up this big guy. Yep. Wow. <laughs> no more kicking sand in his face. Oh, I remember those ads on the back of comic books. What was that guy's name? Charles uh, Atlas. Charles was, Atlas. Ah, yeah. 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 And then the guy gets all big. Like, eh, you embarrass me from my girl. In, in five weeks. <laughs> yeah. Boom, boom, boom. What was what was what was I just going to say? We're talking about podcasting class. Oh, well, I uh, people ask me all the time, and I just say, just do yourself a favor and get the best mics you can get. That's all. I mean, what else do you need? I, I, the yeah. only thing I don't understand about podcasting is how some of them can sound like shit still. I mean, there's no excuse don't for it. Don't say that about walking the room. <laughs> That's very mean. I, know, I was talking you know, about our, the nerd. No, but, you know, but seriously, though, Mark, has, you do have a good point, though, and, and the, some, some of our shows don't sound great because... If we, you know, what we started doing is, is you know, getting a lot of people on the road or getting people at sound checks or whatever. And so we have this Zoom H4N device. That's what I have. Yeah. And so we just can't, it's like rather than go into someone's dressing room with like all these mics and set up for 10 minutes, like we just set the Zoom in the middle of the room. No and good. Catch I'll tell it. you what, I can help you right now. Okay. Go get what I have our, because I, I use the same machine. Yeah. Just get two XLR cables. We have them. And then I use the uh, the blue Uncore 200s. They're these weird mics, a blue mic. I know they the blue mics, yeah. They, it's like an omnidirectional well, mic. Well, they, they look cool. They're not a condenser mic, but they're half a condenser mic. Yeah. You need to set it on phantom power. Yeah. So uh, it does have a little more pickup, and the, and the voices sound good. But any of the, the ones that I do on the road, which sound pretty good, I do with those. So do you do you use the uh, the internal mics on the Zoom, or do you, you do you use both? Do you record it in stereo? No, I just, yeah, I use, it doesn't matter. 
matter. You're only using one track. So I plug in two with the XLR cables and I hand it to the guy. I just assume that everybody knows how to hold the fucking there, microphone. There's four, yeah. But there's four of us and that's where the problem comes in. Well, you're going to have to lose these guys. Okay. Or, or well, something. guys, I'm sorry, Mark. I didn't you mean know. to. I did oh, that. sweet release. <laughs> just like, <laughs> See you, just, Jonah. <laughs> just like when they told Zuckerberg to lose the in Facebook. <laughs> it's like, oh, you guys are the the. I'm sorry. I, I, no, see, We're I, the, the the? That's one of my favorite bands. Oh, no, not the the. I no. guess that is a problem because any you, you, you're not, you're not going to be able to avoid that weird effect. The, the problem no. is that we can't, you know, like we all can't sit on the same, mm. on the same plane. Like it's, because then it's awkward. We're all sitting like next to each other. Unless it's an exit row. Unless it's, exactly. Well, here, I've got an idea for you. This is a production sure, sure, idea. Because sure, sure. you can, pit, I'm going to pitch you to help your empire. Face of podcasting. That, uh, yeah, is that maybe you assign these guys certain things and then you kind of host it within the the, the context of the, the broader context. Remote, remote segments? Right. Well, you could say like, hey, we're doing this and this is happening now, but Matt Meyer talked to so-and-so and then you cut to it. Hey. Oh, that could be fun. That no, could be a lot of fun. Matt and so and so don't get along. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> There's trouble there? Yeah, a lot, <laughs> of, a lot of bad I got attention with a lot of so and so's. Yeah. Some of them, some of what we started to do is just take two Zoom H4Ns and aim them in opposite directions. It kind of doubles the shitty just sound. To get, yeah. Just to get all. Do you really? Yeah. Sometimes. Well, you, well that's, a, that's a bit of an expenditure. It, it was. It, well, yeah. the Zooms are cheap now. They're 350? No, they're cheaper. 250? Less than 250. Really? For an H4N? Yeah. Come on, you're fucking with me. I'm not fucking with you. Mark, I'm telling you, you can get a Zoom H4 for under two hundred dollars. You're the same guy that was selling me snake oil pills. Well, mm. did it work, didn't it? The Zoom H4N is one of the least user friendly machines in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Once sucks. you figure out what you need to do yeah. with it, that's don't even go into that book. Try, yeah. When you open that book, you're like, apparently, I can record my brain thinking, <laughs> but I just don't know how to, how to do it from these instructions. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's Dolby Pie? I don't oh. even know. <laughs> Some Dolby Pie. With a nice little side of vanilla ice cream. Uh, are you? Uh, how how are you feeling about everything? Are you feeling good about everything? Are you feeling happy, or do you feel, you know, like do you have the same kind of things I get sometimes, where it's like I hope I don't self destruct this without realizing it. Well, I I have to. My mouth is my biggest problem, and uh, and I find what what I'm what I'm happy about is that because of the podcast, because of everything that's happened in the last two years, is that I feel validated in the work I put in over my life. Mm -hmm. And and that was a, a pretty good piece of the self-puzzle to, to get in place. Yeah, Like, I no longer... Like, the feeling... My biggest fear, I think, before, when I started the podcast and was, like, falling down a pit of self that didn't look like I was going to stop and I didn't have any other options was that I would just be one of those guys who people say, like, oh, what happened to him? Yeah. You know, like, like, I had this horrible fear of just drifting off into anonymity and just... Be spoken of in that God, way. It was like, really funny. <laughs> what yeah, happened? Good, and, the, and no and one those, really knows the end of the story. Those guys come up a lot in conversations with uh, all the co older comics that we no, talk no, to. Just like, whatever happened to that guy? But see, yeah. I wouldn't be able to do comedy if I was like, if I was going to be that guy, would have stopped. If if someone, the answer to that question with me would have been like, I hear he's working at a restaurant in Key West. <laughs> yeah. You know that? You know that's <laughs> no, that's how I saw myself. Must have killed himself by yeah. now. If that's <laughs> the case. But uh, but the only thing I can say is that um, I feel ready to deal with this stuff my in the past when i've had opportunities the feeling was like yeah not only am i gonna fuck it up but like i got it oh, oh fuck what do i do now what do I, how is this gonna work out and the panic was just overwhelming and i'd fuck it up but now like i'm like i got this deal and i'm like i'm excited i'm like wow we got a year to work on this we got 10 episodes i got a good writer that i'm gonna be working with and the production companies there and i feel i feel like i can do it i'm not afraid yeah the fear is gone chris well the nifc is a good place and that's too. as close to happy as i can be <laughs> the 
Happiness got yours. Happiness is the absence of fear. That's right. It's sort of like how black is the absence of color. Is that right? Like, are you happy? I'm not scared. Yeah, exactly. But doesn't that make sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. I have a friend of mine was recently like went on a vacation. He never takes vacations, and he was he was getting a massage, which he never does. And halfway through the massage, he was like. I think I, I think I'm, I think I have the flu. Like I don't feel good. Like everything feels really droopy, and I don't. I, my head feels weird. And yeah. and what he realized was he was relaxed for the first time That's, in uh, ages, and he thought it was something was wrong with him. I right. told you that story in confidence. That wasn't you, Matt. <laughs> uh, Myra. Yeah, yeah. You're always droopy. I, <laughs> would you have? Uh, I'm looking forward to that moment. I, I'm actually taking. Like I don't know when to stop. You don't either. You mm. seem to just. I don't even know how you do it. This you do. was my vacation week. Right <laughs> I'm now, so sorry. It was. Like I don't like. Uh, because I've been self-employed so long, I just you never it it doesn't always seem like a real job to me. Like you just keep going, yeah. you know. Listen, you're up and, if I'm gonna have the fucking alcoholic gene, I'm gonna use it for something good. Right? No, that's good. <laughs> I need. I, I think I'm just being spiteful because I've never been more out of shape in my fucking life, and I I used to be on a pretty good gym routine, and now I'm not. So I've finally entered that slight discomfort of like, dude, you've really gone too long, and that's only a couple days from fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> and and that's usually what gets me to the gym is is like you fucking disgusting. Why did you eat that? I have a I have that kind of a cycle of vanity mm-hmm. uh, where like you know I'm like just yeah I got I'll sit on like the toilet and be like I'm piling up here I really got to start watching up. what I eat I gotta I gotta go to the gym and then like I'll like I go out and I'll like just I'll want like you know some rice or some mashed potatoes with something I got. I go, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just, I'm a, I'm a comic. I'm I don't a guy. have to, I don't have, I'm a guy. I don't have to be good looking. Yeah. I don't yeah. have to be in shape. Uh, fuck yeah. it. This is me. And then the next morning, oh, fuck. <laughs> when you, when you plow through a pint of ice cream with nothing but self-hate, it's the best where you're just like, fuck me. Yeah. Fuck <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck me. Ice cream doesn't taste better in any other way. Oh, it's, the best. it's like every night. It's That's like every- how I got here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. When you commit yeah. to two pints, like, you know, like I'll go there, I'll, I'll, I'll buy a, a, a pint of ice cream like peanut butter cup, like uh, Ben and Jerry's. But then I'm like, I gotta have a pint of vanilla to cut it. I need yeah, cut. You, gotta, you, gotta, you, you don't got cut. Yeah, but you're, I, I, you're I a thin my, guy though. Uh, you're not. Yeah, but I'm crazy, and and so are you. So what we were talking about? And you've been so you've been. Is it 15 years? 12 I, years and change. 12 years and change. August, it'll be 13 years sober. Nice. Wow. But I, I'm consuming nicotine lozenges at an increasingly dangerous. Wow, pace. the technology oh, has smoke. gone up. I didn't. That's in a. That's in like an airborne type capsule. No, it, looks, it looks like a Eminem Minis capsule. But the <laughs> fact, is. I think that's Eminem Minis. But, but I've completely lost touch with the idea of the nicotine lozenge was to wean you off smoking. To me, it's just like this is good candy. You know, like <laughs> you this know, candy makes me feel is good. There sugar in it? No, I think that I don't think it's sugar. I think it tastes like a fake sugar. But is there, there anything wrong with it other than the nicotine? And I have no idea what that can be doing to me. Like I like I had that fear the other like I overdosed on nicotine lozenges. Like sometimes I forget how many I eat, and then I'm like laying in bed, and I've got heart palpitations and a mild sweat, and I'm like, I can't die from these. <laughs> Man, this is not the way. To, I was I like, die from an overdose. Was that scene from Nicky was smoking where they just like they get that guy and they put like all the nicotine? Oh, that made me nauseous. Yeah, oh, that, that was, was horrendous. Horrifying. But yeah, I'm I'm okay, man. I yeah, I feel I feel pretty good. I I want to do good. You know, like I don't have that as much self sabotage in me as I used to, and I really like I'm I'm aware enough of the work, and and I really just want to make a funny show with that thing. And I just turned in the the first manuscript of my book, and that guy seems happy. I don't even remember writing it. Like all I remember is a year and a month or two of of saying like I got to fucking write this thing. But at some point I I did. And I wrote something, wow. and I sent it to him, and he seems excited about it. That's good. Do you feel like, uh, 
Are you happy with the way your career played out? Like that it, you know, that it took so long to really, really make it? Or would you have, would you rather have like made it in the early nineties? Like, would I pre- like to have been happy and well adjusted earlier? Well, that's different. That's different. Than, that's, 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 that's totally different. Two wives later. That's a whole different issue. Yeah. That's a whole different issue. Could you have handled a lot of success early on? Well, no, clearly be, I, I couldn't because I had opportunities and I, I wasn't in control of my talent and uh, I wasn't clear what it was. And I, I don't think I was fully formed as a person or as a comic. Uh, I was doing something. Uh, I, was, I was more angry. I was more intense. And, and I was alienating to some people personally and professionally. And I never had a handle on, uh, on the politics of, of socializing, the politics of business, uh, the idea of not being uh, afraid on stage and being you know, truly honest. I don't know that any of that stuff could have happened uh, at a younger age. And certainly what I do isn't uh, for everyone. I don't have what I would call mainstream appeal, but I seem to be attracting not a demographic as much as a disposition. That seems to, uh, <laughs> that seems to uh, tra- traverse uh, from teenager to uh, senior citizen. Yeah. The, the disposition that is appealing that I have uh, is sort of ageless and sexless, I'm finding. <laughs> was, it, was it your show where the, the club owner was like, I've never seen so many single tickets yes, sold? Yes, yes, there's a lot of that. And, and, wow. and, and it happens all the time. And I don't draw attention to it as much anymore because it's always the same thing. Really what happens is when people like me, it, it's a weird thing that, that I know that they're sitting there and they had a ticket and they were excited to see me. And it came to the point where they're like, well, maybe someone will go with me. And they're like, yeah, but they don't know who Marin is. I don't know how to explain him. Uh, fuck it. You know, and they just go to <laughs> one, please. Yeah. Well, do you, uh, do you, there's something you said about, about you're more honest on stage now, but I've always seen you as a comic who was very honest on stage. So, right. But honesty used as a, a sort of a, an arrogant weapon. Like some guy once said that to me, uh, when I was very proud of copping to something to my uh, first wife, you know, when I first got sober. Uh, you know, I, you know, I thought that that part of being sober was you got to be honest with people. So I, you know, I immediately uh, told my first wife that I was having an affair, you know, <laughs> and, and because I thought that and, yeah. and I thought like, well, this will end it. Um, <laughs> and uh, and he goes, you know, you, honesty, you, you shouldn't use honesty as a weapon. And I never really thought about that way. There's some things you shouldn't say or figure out how to say them and figure out why you're being honest. So I think a lot of my honesty was just anger. And I don't think it was, you know, came from a, a necessarily personal or wise place. I think I was a provoker of uh, emotions and I wanted to push people's buttons. Mm-hmm. And now uh, because I'm, I'm more comfortable with myself and, and a little more fearless on stage, I'm able to take real emotional risks up there, which yeah. was always something that I respected in my favorite comics. You know, some of them, the ones that do that, like like Richard Pryor, the thing that made him amazing was that you could feel a vulnerability up there that was, you never saw before, that you could tell that his heart was on the line yeah. with his performances. And I think I always aspired to that. I don't know that I ever got into comedy to be an entertainer as much as I got into comedy to be visible, mm-hmm. like to, to be like, you know, I'm here. So uh, like where I am right now, me being here is, is, is certainly more pleasant an entertainment experience than it was when I was, I'm fucking here. <laughs> now what? But I do like seeing, I do like seeing in comedy now that, you know, which is, you know, certainly different from the comedy boom. And I mean, you saw a little bit of it in the comedy boom with the Bill Hicks, you know, but I, but I feel like now people are respecting the fact that, you know, some of the biggest comics, I mean, like guys like you and Louie, it's, it's like, there's, you, there, there seems to be an unfiltered, 
like a window into who you guys are when you're on stage that is that's really nice to watch as opposed to just I'm a clown and I'm gonna make you laugh no matter what. Like think, just I totally think, different kinds of comedy. I think that's true, but I, I also think that those that type of comedy has always been sort of around, and there's never that many. You know, I mean, I wouldn't classify it as a trend. I think there have been some people that that kind of spoke their hearts and their minds in in a, in a unique way, and and sometimes it's hard to tell. Like in order to get that. Uh, that raw on stage where you're actually taking emotional risk, you got to have a pretty decent craft in place. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's sort of like you got to know how to write. You know, it, 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 what's the analogy I want to make? That there is a, a technique to this thing, and whether you know it or not, you get enough, you know, flying time. You got enough stage hours that that's in place, and that'll take care of you to take that. I think that's the progress of a of an artist of some kind. Though I'm not calling myself that, but I agree with you. I just don't. I think there's always been a minority of of really great comics yeah yeah in at all and, and it's weird when i do reading now about uh, I, I i have you ever read this guy cliff nesterhoff do you know who that guy is? No. no he writes a, a series of articles for uh for the wfmu uh blog or the it's uh that's called something I, but this guy's name is cliff nesterhoff and he focuses on on these pieces around like the 40s 50s and 60s maybe in the 70s of, of comedy in new york the sleazier elements of comedy and and there was always a lot of fucking comics around especially after world war ii and there were all these supper clubs these mob and supper clubs and that everybody did comedy and, and we always think like well there's a lot of comics now well there were hundreds then too that nobody ever heard of sure but i always think that there are some that just figure out a way and and reveal something like i think that even if you look at someone like like a, a tell or rodney dangerfield that you're seeing a pretty real thing up there mm-hmm. that that even though they're joke guys they're they're not hiding who they are at all and that's a real trick yeah yeah I, I, I just, it's something that I respect as a, and something that I feel like I still can't do yet, and that I hope I figure out someday, because yeah. I still feel like, eh, I'm just saying silly things that they do mean something to me, but it's not like, I don't really feel like I'm exposing myself on stage in any huge well, yeah, way. But, but there's an argument to be made uh, against that. You know, it's not everybody's idea of a great time. You know, even Louis, who is very, who is very raw and and really you know puts it out there. I mean, he still structures things you know very comedically. I mean, you know, he's always going. There's going to be a laugh in there. Yeah. I, and I'm not comparing myself to him in any way, but like that's not always true with me. You know, like <laughs> I could be up there revealing something, and then I'm, I'll be like, oh, okay. I guess that's just going to sit there, you know, but, but I become hyper aware of, of, of structure and, uh, and doing longer bits. Like I, it, I, I had that a while back where I, um, I went, I was going through a bad breakup and then I just kind of went on stage, not meaning to talk about, but it's all I ended up talking about. And I found jokes after the fact, but it was one of those things where I'm like, I'm saying this and to me, it's funny to just be as raw as I can with talking about it, but there was, there was no structure. Right. And that's why immediately I just started just kind of phasing it all out. I thought I had bits, but it was just like me fucking airing it out. But, but that's a, that was the, like something I realized is that people will laugh. You've got to learn to determine the difference between a laugh, a nervous laugh, and, <laughs> yeah. and the, the laughter of somebody who's been no entertained. sudden movements, yeah. no sudden movements, I, anyone. That, that's true. Yeah, like I, when I did that divorce show, the the well, what did I call it, scorching the earth. I was workshopping it in New York in a basement, and I was still going through it. And I was doing that show, and I didn't want it to be for, for for press or anything else. I needed to work through this shit, and I was wanted to see if that I could if I could make what I was going through funny. And Time Out New York had come to the show, and they'd written in there that I didn't want to review. I was I was just trying to figure some stuff out. They said the amazing thing about this show is Marin has no hindsight. Yeah, he's he's actually. <laughs> 
Jesus experiencing, <laughs> but they were right, and I'm like, well, I can't repeat that. I mean, the intensity of somebody going through something right in front of you makes you uncomfortable, and you're going to laugh at it. Yeah. But can you repeat that? And is is it something you want to see twice? And that's what happened. I uh, I ended up getting over it, or uh, at that in that case, getting back together with her. And like, I still, I was like, oh, these are still funny, and I did it, and the, it's like, almost as if they've been hollowed out. Right. Where there was like there was no real passion but that's good, behind it. But that's good because then you know the 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 ideas and the feelings are still there, but the intensity, the menace of them are gone. Yeah. So like like I'm doing jokes now about my relationship now that I think are are really honest and they're not they're not necessarily flattering to me, and and they're very specific. But I can't talk about it. you know the, the problems of a guy who's dating a girl 20 years younger than him. I mean, if uh, right away people are like, oh yeah, I really feel sorry for you. Right. Why don't you let me cry a few tears for you. you well, know? especially as you get more successful, because I think part of part of a thing that an audience likes to not feel is threatened by the person on stage in any way. And so if they feel like. Well, fuck. You know, well, yeah, he's a famous guy. It's like, you know, it's just funny to watch Louis kind of dance around trying to justify on stage why he was in first class. And he's like, ah, fuck it. You know what? I fly first class. What do you want? Yeah. What do you want? <laughs> you know? And why wouldn't people expect him to do that? I mean, there, is there some sort of agreement we have with our audience that once we have money, we have to pretend to be the schlub that we were when we <laughs> created the character? I mean, I wouldn't expect Louis to fly anything but first class, but I've known Louis forever. Louis would fly first class if he didn't have any money and he just had a credit card that he couldn't pay for. I mean, it's not, <laughs> it's not, it's not out of character for Louis to buy a car with no money. Uh, you know, so Louis with money. I, I mean, I don't talk to him that much, but I can't even imagine what's happening now. <laughs> well, I, I think it is, is interesting to, to sort of see sometimes on the internet, and thankfully it doesn't happen very often, but I feel like people will try to start shit between us or between Me and you? different podcasts or just like, hey, you know, no, I know. Marin got this person, you didn't get that person, or Nerdist yeah. got this, how come you didn't? And it's like, God, what the fuck? Well, you know, like, and, and I, you know, I feel like it happened kind of recently, and I tried to address it, and I was like, look, we get some people that haven't been on his show, and he gets a lot of people that we haven't had on. But who fucking cares? Like it's. Well, like... I, I have several Twitter names, and oh um... shit! <laughs> <laughs> Which one was that? I forgot oh, what I was using. At Matt Myra. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was Mark Marin with a K. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't really. You know, I have. I have found myself. You know, I have this weird thing with trolls, where where I will engage, knowing I shouldn't. I do have a, a you know a, an NTEP and no troll engagement policy in place. But uh, but there's part of me that I somehow feel some weird small victory if I can get them to act like a fucking human, yeah. you know, within ten or twelve tweets. Yeah. But usually you're just going to lose, and it, it kills me. I don't know how to dismiss them. Sometimes and you can do it in one, or you just go, "Hey, what the fuck?" They go, "Sorry, man, big fan. I was just really trying to." I've become very happy with blocking. I, I enjoy yeah. that, and sometimes I'll block people, and I won't really do it just to see them complete. You know, still festering. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, someone, <laughs> someone told me not to block people. Like you're just giving them satisfaction they got to you. I'm like, yeah, but I don't have to see it. That's right. Yeah. That's yeah. Uh, that's what I yeah. say to them now. I just say, get the fuck out of my feed. Unfollow me. I don't. You know, I don't really know what the point of this is. And sometimes that works, but I've had, you know, I've had weird, weird experiences with trolls. Are you, do you feel any sense that, um, that, I mean, this might sound weird, but do you feel any sense that the kind of, the, the mythos or the legend of, of Mark Marin, the, the sort of character of you that people have in their minds is, yeah. is becoming bigger than, than who you actually are? And is it weird when people come up to you at shows and try to connect with you in ways you're like why did you think that's who I was no because I I am I am fairly you know for better or for worse pretty 
legitimately honest with with uh, with what I do on the air, and then they, you know, Morgan Spurlock did this piece on me uh, for the day in the life thing, mm-hmm. and and I thought it represented me pretty well. Um, so I, I don't, I generally believe that when they approach me with that familiarity, that they do know a good part of me. Yeah, uh, you know, the things I keep to myself really are are just that. You know, I do. Um, I'm probably a lot more uh, sensitive and shy than than I come off. So that that kind of stays at home because mm-hmm. you know that's not very interesting. Yeah. But uh, is that even true? I just find like I try to figure out for myself like what the fuck do I like to do? How am I different than the guy I'm on stage? And you know how am I amplifying that? But um, but it, but it is pretty true. And, and my biggest thing uh, that I, I'm careful of is like I, I want to. I've tried to like a long time ago, and I'm not comparing myself to him. But I watched Bill Clinton, um, you know, take pictures with people. Mm-hmm. And, and it was the weirdest thing I ever saw because my buddy used to do press advance for him. So I went to an event and there, a line would, would form you know, for people just to stand there with the fucking president yeah. to get a picture taken. And somehow or another, he was, he was detached yet still present enough to kind of show up for each thing. And, and I thought that was you know, very, um, uh, I, I thought it was genuine, yet it didn't seem to, to freak him out. So, like, when I talk to people, I, I try to be, you know, very present and, and, and understand that they have a relationship with me that's one-sided, and I listen to what they have to say, and, uh, and I'm grateful that they're there, and, and it's usually okay, and I don't feel that, uh, I don't feel threatened, and I don't feel like it's disingenuous. It does get a little weird when someone shows up for three or four of your shows over yeah. a weekend, mm-hmm. and, and then, you know, you know, I talked about, the, where did I talk about this? I talked about the other night at the UCB. Like, this woman was, you know, she brought food, she cooked me dinner. Uh, at home and, and made enough for me and the other comics and she came to three out of four shows and 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 after that she was there the the last show the the, uh, the fourth show and it was this moment where where i was like do i have to fuck her now you know <laughs> and, but because because there, there's probably 10 years ago i'd be like yeah i gotta fuck her i mean she had, that was pretty good food that was good food came every <laughs> night. Thanks for the, thanks for and that's casserole. what and that's what she expects is that's my biggest fear is that my i don't have boundaries enough to you know i got to be careful not to get too involved and the kind of emails i get now are, are some of them are very compelling they're very touching you know i get a lot of sobriety related stuff i get a lot of like you know thank you for helping me through a dark time stuff like really harrowing stories and i you know i don't want to leave people hanging so i i try to say like oh i'm glad everything's all right i'm glad i could help thank out. you for co- contacting mark Marin. yeah <laughs> yeah no, I, your, in, your input is <laughs> very important well that's us. that's my fear is that like i i, I no longer can really to look at all of them and i don't want people to think of an asshole because I'm misrepresenting myself on that level. You really just get too busy and you get overwhelmed. But I, I try to be. Uh, I, I don't feel like it's uh, it's not real to them. Well, you want to engage with everyone as mu- as much as possible because you know, especially the medium of what we do is so personal and it's it is so humanizing. And I feel like I feel like that's one of the reasons why you know the the podcasting in general is catching has caught on because it is. It's a very intimate, and you, and you see people in a very human way, particularly on your show. I mean, we don't we don't go super in depth with people, you know. We keep, try to keep it light most of the time, but but you definitely you do get down under the surface of people and expose things that they that that would have never been exposed in the world before. Yeah, I, I don't know why that happens, but I, I'm happy it happens, and I, I think it's just because it's one on one. You know, we're in a garage. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're, it's cozy. And I'm pretty you know, much a too much information kind of guy. And, and I've learned how to listen. I, I don't know when that happened. I'm happy it happened. But I'm, I seem to be, uh, like when I was a kid, um, I, I grew up with a, a bipolar father. Mm-hmm. So 
Yeah, there's some part of me that's wired to emotionally connect with very charismatic, volatile people. And, you know, throughout most of my childhood, I was sort of, I would always be attracted to crazy homeless people that you know, walked around where I used to work at this restaurant. I always wanted to hear their stories. I always liked people that were, were funny and sort of, uh, you know, large personalities because I'd been sort of... Uh, diminished by my father's, you know, brutality in terms of his emotions. And I just find that like for a long time there, I was just bitter. And I just was like, ah, oh, fuck, everyone's out to get me. And, you know, I'm defensive and I'd gotten very cynical. And now because of the podcast, I, I'm very empathetic. You know, when I listen, I, I, I like, there are times where I'm, you know, about to cry or, or that where I'm so engaged in the story that I'm just happy when it's like, wow, this is really, you know, I'm, I'm into this. So I think that just is my own curiosity and just the way I'm wired. But I, I'm very happy that that's happened. I like to listen to people. Well, I, it, it's it's something that I I certainly wish I did more. Sometimes I'm so <laughs> always like, no dead space, no dead space. Always oh, no, got to yeah. keep, always got to keep talking. No, no. I think I mean I think that's that's natural, and I do that. Like you know, when there's a room full of three guys, and like I was very conscious of it yesterday because I did the. Uh, the Ardent Atheist uh, oh, okay. uh, podcast with Emery Emery. Yep. And I've been resisting that for a long time because I don't really publicly identify as an atheist. And and it was me, Dana Gould, and Provenza, you know, out there in the valley somewhere. And and I knew that I, it was just going to be some sort of weird attack and some sort of, uh, uh, you, you know, because I'm really sort of, I'm not on the fence about where my beliefs are, but I just think that you know, if somebody believes something, then, you know, if they're not hurting anybody, let them believe it. It's probably yeah. stopping them from pulling the plug on themselves. But these guys are like, no, it's not rational. And I'm like, you know, shut the fuck up. So, but my point being, I don't know why I had to drag it into whether there's a God or no God, is that there were three dudes, and one was Provenza, and one was Dana, and one was Emery, and there's no getting a word in edgewise, but there's that impulse to be like, I, I gotta, what about me? I got one's mine. And and I, I literally was just sort of like, just wait, there'll be a gap. And then I was very happy about that too. I never wait for gaps. Well, I think I think with comedians, I just did it. Uh, I think with comedians, it's sort of like if you if you casually walk by a dog and then run, he's going to chase you. Right. And with the comic, it's just like, I ain't going to get any of that. Yeah. Well, yeah, because you know the moment's going to go, and you don't you want to get your two cents in. But I don't know why are we the one thinking, why am I the one thinking that I'm just not going to be able to speak to this because they're going to keep talking and then it's going to be over. Why do I got to be the guy that's sort of like, but, you know, I, I got something to say, too. Uh, and, and, I, and some people um, uh, criticize me for that on my podcast that I, I occasionally interrupt too much. And I think that's just because they're not used to listening to interviews the way I do it. A lot of times I interrupt and, and it, only because like I get I sometimes get nervous if people are, are doing some if someone's a public personality, you know, they've got these you know, they got their story. You mm -hmm. know, and I can sort of tell when like uh, I'm not the first one to have heard this story. Yeah. So sometimes like uh, it happened with uh with Anthony Bourdain specifically because, you know, I wanted to, you know, connect with him, but he's, he speaks in public a lot. And I'd listened to you know, part of his interview on, on Joe's on, on Rogan's and uh, only because I wanted to see, you know, what kind of person he was in conversation, not Joe, but, but Anthony. And I knew there was a couple of points that he, you know, he clearly, you know, hit regularly. So when I heard him start those, I was sort of like, yeah, but what about, you know, like I tried, oh, to, yeah. I just tried to get around them only because I to wanted break to break his pattern. Right. To see if I could get, and I, and I ended up getting something different. It was, it was good. It was good. But I'm sort of aware of that stuff. You? I, I try to be aware of it, but I also, you know, I also try to keep the conversation going. And a lot of times if I'm talking to someone and this is why I don't do phone interviews, because I need to see people is I can tell they're close to finishing a thought. Yeah. And I just don't want any of those moments of like, I mean, I think if you listen to this podcast, you will almost never hear a, so, uh. But did you just, but you know what's interesting? I learned this. You know who you learned this from? 
It's weird. You learn it from Rush Limbaugh. If you work, if you if you listen to talk radio to guys who are really good at it, whether they're evil or not, the 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 pause. Although it was Rush, we'd have to. Uh, what we got here? What we got here? Slut. But 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 just that. But like, if you hear a ruffling of paper, and he's like, oh, "Let's take a look at this." Yeah, but no, but like nothing. That that moment of nothing, you're like. <laughs> you, know, you know, it's actually compelling if you know how to be comfortable in in those pauses. It's tough, it's confidence. You, you, it's, you hear it's that hum. S- you just hear the hum of the room. But mm-hmm. but it's great because you have to remember how people are listening to you. They're just in their car, so they're not going to be like, ah, fuck it. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Like if you're sitting there going, I woke up this morning, and let me tell you, I I don't know how to say this. Okay, I will. You know, you know <laughs> like you're like, holy fuck. You know, they're, they're yeah. just some dudes that can that have that ego to just, you know, hold you even in silence. I find it very impressive. I, I love that. I just, you know, as a, and I don't think of these as interviews. I think of them as conversations. And yeah, that's just too. how conversations flow. But I, I, I love to sort of get swept up in the momentum of it rather than letting the momentum drop and then oh, picking yeah. it back up. And so I think that's, I think that's part of it. But maybe, you know, I'm, I'm totally happy to admit that I'm, you know, sometimes I may not be as comfortable, you know, doing what I do sometimes. And that's why I always want to. Well, no, but sometimes when you get a groove going, it's great. I mean, that's what the you know, great funny radio is, is like just that riffing. You know, there's been like when I was on with Russell Brand, like I was I, I didn't know what I was getting into because I didn't I didn't really know him and I didn't know his comedy that well. But man, like he got in there and I'm like, holy fuck, I got to get on this train, you know, and, and like he was going, and I'm going and like an hour blows by and it's just like, boom, 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 riding off each other's riffs. And I was like, wow. That was fucking amazing. He's that was a amazing. sweet guy. No, he's great. But I think the way you learn those skills, and, and, and the most frightening thing to me when I did radio was, was hosting a three-hour block oh, by myself. Rough. By myself. Because that's where you're going to learn how to, you know, to not freak out. Is that when you're like, I, I got to be on the mic for how long? Just me alone? And, that, and, and to learn that, just to be able to talk out into nothing. I was so proud and excited when I got that skill. Like when I do my monologues, which aren't even that long, 10, 10 minutes, maybe 15 minutes, I don't, I don't have any, free, you know, I don't freak out about it. I'm just like, oh, I'm listening to me. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I'm thinking out loud. I, I like this. And, and it's a comfortable thing. You know, it's fun. If, like if someone ever says like, oh, whatever, I could talk into the microphone for three hours. Like, try it. Try it. See, just see. See if you're not, oh, see if your brain isn't seeping out of your ears by the time you're done it, because you're so. It's scary. Because like with the, and then you, all you're doing is like, when's the break? Okay, there's a break at 12 after. No, I, I think I can do these three things and. Oh fuck! And then you're like, <laughs> you're like you're moving towards a break, and and like you just segmented. It was parallel. It was really scary to host three hour blocks and political talk on top of it. But then there's always what radio. You're like, let's go to the phones, please. <laughs> Hello, uh, wrong number. Let's sorry. Go. No, no, no whatever. Please, we'll talk about that. Well, yeah, well, I, I can be who you want do, me to be. Do you have a lot of wrong numbers? Uh, what do you? I'll put on an outfit. Uh, I, I, I one of my one of my favorite moments of your podcast. It's an older episode, but it's when you were trying to quit. What is it? Snooze. Oh yeah. And just the the because I I think maybe because I identified with it as someone who has been addicted to stuff. I mean I you know I drank and I smoked when I was young and and uh, I remember you then. Yeah, of course you remember. Well, you're partly responsible for why I don't drink anymore, but we've already covered yeah. that. Um, but uh, but hearing the <laughs> the out loud struggle that I feel like the microphone was incidental. Right. It was just like <laughs> God, the snooze is in the right. <laughs> 
God damn it! Like, it was, and then you just wouldn't hear anything for a second. Like it's just there. I could just fucking have it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know, just yeah. that moment. I could feel. You know, I always, I always compare addiction. It's just like imagine a thousand screaming birds, baby birds, inside the molecules of your body, yeah. begging to be fed. That's pretty good. And they're compelling. Wow. Do you do that on stage? No. Why? Because it's. I can't make that stuff funny. And then people just go, ah. I I can't make real stuff funny. <laughs> well, I don't have that skill yet. The crowd. The, that's the what great. That no, but that's us. what great comics do. I'm a good comic. No, but I mean, but like, but all you got to do is that you can say that thing, and then like with your other personality, they're like, nee, nee. you know, you can, you know, like, eh, bah, boop, boop, bah. you know, like you, you just. You, <laughs> Just throw one of those at the end. <laughs> just like you're like screaming birds. Like, wow, I just gonna fuck. What if I just took you literally and I was like, it's a thousand screaming birds in your soul. Meep, 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 meep. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like, I, I didn't tell him to do it literally. <laughs> yeah. No, oh, but you know man. what I'm saying? That you can, if you have the chops, you can you can talk about it. You can go that weird and dark and I'm just be like. I'm working on it. But all you have to say is like, wow, that just happened in my head. <laughs> yeah, you know, and that's funny, right? <laughs> yeah, that's the, yeah. you know, it's, it's, I mean, you know, it's a good point. It's, it's funny, you know, I, I feel like with comedy writing, you're constantly access. I mean, a lot of, when you start out, I feel like you're accessing everything in the outside world. And then you start going more internal because you just run out of stuff in the outside world. Well, maybe you should throw the pen away. I think that what happened to me, and I don't know why I'm putting my arms up in a radio. <laughs> he really <laughs> threw the pen away. I'm throwing pens. I'm throwing yeah, many pens. Your pen. You're going to need that pen to no, sign things. I don't things. need any pens. <laughs> All right. No pens ever. Get that pen out of here. Excuse me. Does anyone have a pen? I need to perform emergency surgery. <laughs> well, well, he yeah, threw his fuck. pen away. Well, what happened recently was like I, you know, I did uh, when I did Jimmy Fallon, I did Jimmy Kimmel show, and I never done either of those shows. And I'm used to doing Conan, and I've done Letterman. Uh, but just stand up. But I used to do panel with Conan all the time. And when you do Conan, you know, you talk to a segment producer. You, you tell, like, I got this bit. You're doing sit-down stand-up, basically. Yeah. So I go to do Jimmy Fallon. And, uh, you know, I still hadn't talked to a producer. So I, I'm, I'm there for the show. And I'm like, when, when is someone going to talk to me? And then the producer comes in. I'm like, you know, I got, you want to know the bits I'm going to do? He's like, no, 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 no. Jimmy just wants to talk. He just wants to... You just want to talk about your podcast. I'm like, but, but what about funny things? I, I need to, <laughs> I, I had funny things prepared. Are you just going to put me on television? Ferg Ferguson, Ferguson won't plans. let you. If Ferguson feels like you're doing a bit, he'll derail you. Yeah, but but he does something different. I'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> he, he, I got upset with him. But uh, <laughs> but no, so like I went out there and it, it was this weird moment where I'm like, wait a minute, I'm funny. I've been professionally funny for a long time. You put me in a corner, I'm going to be funny or I'm going to cry. And that hasn't happened in a long time. <laughs> right. And and what I'm telling the only reason I'm telling you this is that if you're naturally funny, that you know, if when you step out on the ice, you have to assume that at that moment where it's sink or swim and you're not getting a laugh, that you're going to do something. <laughs> you know, it's a yeah. natural defense of a funny person. It's like, well, this isn't going well. Maybe I should do this. Right. <laughs> and, and, Throwing more pens? Well, no, but if you watch someone like Conan, who's who's really learned how to be funny in public, you know, publicly, he learned, you know, like it took him yeah. a long time. Like there are dudes, like, you know, you look at Ferguson, very charming, and he's just going to ride it out, and he really milks everything, and, and he know, he loves to hear himself talk, and, he, and he's very good at what he does, but he's got that thing. Dave, very quick, right? Uh, Kimmel, you know, is, is, is quick as well. But Conan, if he's going to get a laugh, he's going to get on a roller coaster, and he's going to, you know what I mean? Like there's a moment where you're having a conversation with him, and if he feels that there's a little bit of dead air, he's going to like, all right, here we go. <laughs> and that's and that's how he does it. But everybody's got to do it with some version of that. Ferguson, though, when I when I talked to his segment producer, and I'm okay with him. I, I, I interviewed him. I haven't put it up yet. But 
But they, literally, the guy, they, they, we're going over stuff, and he's like, okay, when's your birthday? Uh, where were you born? Uh, what color is your hair? Was your hair always that color? Like, asking all these esoteric questions, like 30 questions, like, well, what do you want to talk about? And I gave him, like, 30 fucking things. <laughs> and, 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 and all that meant was, like, I don't know what, I gave him all this shit, and then I get out there, and I realize, I don't know what the fuck this guy's going to come at me with. I told him my whole life story. And then he didn't end up doing anything. It was very unorthodox. And, and sometimes I feel that he puts us off our guard so he can tag everything. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> you, you know, like, you know, he would, you know, he'd throw something out, and I'd be like, I, oh, oh, yeah. And then he's like, <laughs> like he, I've watched him do interviews before. There are some interviews he does, and he's a good guy. And, and, I, and, and despite the fact that uh, I think he, he, he's overly charming, yeah, he's very good at it. There's very few people that do long-form monologues, and it's, 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 it's just something to see. And I like the guy, but I've seen him interview people where he literally doesn't want let them talk at all like it'll be like so i was saying that movie and then it's like oh, was and the guest just sits there and watches him it's hard not to watch him <laughs> i think i think i think fergus i think craig is you know craig is a guy who you know he has the same gene that you and i have no yeah and he also uh uh he also was a guy who was in like a punk band when he was younger and i think right. he's raging against the structure of network television elvis hitler kind of yeah, yeah that's a, that was his punk name oh that i didn't realize that mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. amazing. No, he was like, no, I, and I think I, that's I, what it is. He's rebelling against the structure, not necessarily that and he's person. And he's the happiest guy alive. I mean, like, you know, he never saw himself where he is. And I think he just gets a fucking kick out of doing what he does. And he pushes it. And I respect him for that. Yeah. Would you ever want to do a nightly talk show like that? I think, you know, I don't, I don't know. Um, it, not in the way they're done now. There's such a you know, there there's such a desperation to getting laughs on those shows. They become such a circus. Mm -hmm. I don't want to host a circus. Like it's not you know. I don't think in terms of sketch. I don't I don't want to be constantly kind of like a oh my god like what you have like it's it's been twenty seconds and no one got a laugh. I kind of like the intensity of uh, if you ever watch the old Dick Cavett shows where yeah. you know when when the guests were like Norman Mailer, Sly yeah. Stone, and and a guy who invented a blender. You know that that. There was something about the conversation. And if you listen to those old shows where they weren't, you know, they didn't have, you know, the audience wasn't on a, another ride at the park and they weren't just filled up with all this sort of like, let's hear clapping. Yeah. Where it's just an audience that sat down and they're like, I guess the show's starting. That, you know, it, it seemed more human. It seemed more organic. But, you know, you watch it in the context of regular television that we know now. You sit there and go like, what's going wrong? Well, <laughs> Dick Cavett never made it about himself, really. I mean, he did. Sometimes he did. But he but he didn't make it about himself in the sense that he was masterful at just sort of getting the ball in the air and getting that. Like his Betty Davis interview is fucking amazing. And all the stuff with Groucho. And, yeah. But, but he just like he just nudges them enough to get going and he sits back. And then as soon as they're done, he'll go, and then how about that other thing? That the, and then they start talking again, and he just sits there. He's a fucking listener. But he's also very funny. I mean, he was very dry, but he was funny. Yeah. Well, I, 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 you, I see that. I, would not, I noticed that, I feel like, in later episodes of the show right. where I think he's kind of figured that mm -hmm. out or got more comfortable or whatever. Um, I just like when people can talk. And that, like, the, it just seems that, like, you know, when you have a talk show, that the, the, uh, the, the priority is comedy. And anything else is, like, it's just people that need help sitting with somebody who's giving them help. Yeah, that there, there are these formats, you know, that when people are talking honestly about themselves, it's always the format of like, well, my my husband left, 
and it, and it's like uh, that type of talk show that they never cross over. Yeah. And and then like if you're really energetic and and really raw, then you're you're being taken away in handcuffs or you're part of some other type of show. I don't know what's happening with entertainment, but I I feel dirty when I watch hoarders and I can't stop. <laughs> oh, I just start cleaning. That's what I do. No, that I, I, keeps I, my, that keeps my apartment clean. I, I just know that impulse of like, I really can't give uh. you this. Do you ever worry? Do you ever uh. worry that you're going to watch someone with a weird, like some sort of a weird personality affectation, and you're going to absorb it? No, I, I used to do that all the time because I think that's a that's sort of a shaky sense of self. Like I've had, like I used to, I do this thing with my nose. That like, I don't do it anymore, but I consciously picked it up from a roommate. This dude had this weird twitch where he like move his nose and like he bend. You see this? Like yeah. That? And this guy did that, and I picked it up. And I'm like, how the fuck did that happen? <laughs> I, I, I thought that when I push my glasses up, like sometimes when I don't have my glasses, I do that. Yeah, and I was I like, is this just a thing I don't I do? I just don't really need to do it. And then I was like, no, you asshole, you just can't see, so you're pushing your glasses up. When you don't have them on, you can't fucking see. Well, yeah. it's still people still get into patterns though. Like they do those, like, they do all those experiments where, like, in an elevator, they cover up the numbers, and then people still why look up. Why would they do that? I had a doorman in like in an apartment building uh, years ago, like in the early when it was at ninety five or something in New York. This guy's name was Lee, and you talk to him, and he would uh, he he would say something, and then you go, uh, oh, oh oh really? You go what? Like, he, like, it was almost like it was an extension of the conversation, but it was this weird habit, like, what? And he was basically saying, right? But he was yeah. saying, what? And I picked that up, and I haven't shooken it. I haven't, I, like, I'll hear what someone says, and I'll still go, what? It's weird. <laughs> it's weird. Well, we are, well, I think especially, though, uh, and, and I don't know if this is, maybe it's the maybe it's the comedian side, but comedians particularly are hypersensitive individuals. And I think, you know... I, I resent that you said that. It hurt my feelings. <laughs> I'm going to purposely give you an affectation. You're like, damn you, hard work! But, uh, yeah, I think it's just the nature of what we do to observe and absorb and yeah. process. And right. I think that's kind of, yeah, we're you know, completely insecure individuals that feel incomplete as human beings. So we try to, uh, you know, take on other people's traits because they seem to be better than we are. It's funny when you talk, it's funny. <laughs> yeah, when you, they right? are better than we are. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well-adjusted people just don't want to do stand up. No. There's no reason that they want to. I've met a couple, you know, like Rob Riggle is a pretty well-adjusted dude. He's pretty great. And, you know, He's pretty solid. Like I, like I've had to throw out that whole, like, you know, comedy comes some darkness and turmoil and inner pain because I've met some pretty well-adjusted funny people and it's uh, it, it it just shattered that. They're not all stand-ups. Mostly they're not. They're usually scheduled. Like Tom Lennon's a fucking well-adjusted dude. Yeah. You know, that I, I this is weird. I can actually name most of the well-adjusted. <laughs> <laughs> it's a small group, but I mean, they're out yeah. there. They're out there. It's only, that yeah. just makes me more angry. Does it? Yeah, <laughs> just like, ah, oh, come on, what? what? Yeah. You get to be well-adjusted and that funny? That's true. Well, I think those of us, anything. those of us who are fucked up, are still we're we're sort of fighting for our territory in comedy because I think since uh, since the age of medication and uh, you know there, there's really like I think a lot of times I've said this about Richard Lewis a lot. I said uh, that there's a type of comedy that I think because of the way psychology has gone, it's sort of you know neutered it a little bit. Like because there's a point where you're like, it really still hasn't dealt with this shit. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 you can just take a pill. Yeah, yeah, uh. exactly. But he won't, and he's beautiful, and he's hilarious. But that whole thing, like, I wonder if audiences, when you're that kind of comic, are, are they sitting there going, like, really? Hey, he should really help yeah. get help for this. As I, I saw him 20 years ago. I was hoping he'd figure this out by now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think he do figure something out. Who but. who has surprised you the most? Do can you haven't? Do you have like on your show? Who surprised you the most in the sense of, you know, they came in and you thought. You kind of so had many. A... So there's like like people ask me this a lot about who was my favorite episode. Like I'm I'm rarely not sort of surprised, but 
But I think that the between and these happen pretty close to each other between Norm Macdonald and Stephen Wright. Because I had similar fears going into both of those. Uh, like, I'd never really talked to Norm. I'd never really talked to Stephen. And, and a lot of times when I talk to people, it's really the first conversation I've ever had with them. So I may have seen them around, but my relationship with them is really just like any other fans. It's that I know their work. So when Stephen Wright was coming to my house, I was like, does he even talk? I mean, can he, like, does he talk like a person? And, uh, and we had the greatest time. He's a very sweet guy, and you know he likes to laugh. There's nothing better than fucking being with a comic that you can make laugh. Because that's, that, to me, is like when I'm doing a show one-on-one -on -one and we're both laughing, I'm like, holy fuck, we've really achieved something here. But he loved to laugh, but he kept laughing off the mic and covering no. his mouth. I'm like, no, no, come in. Let them know. Come in. You are a laugher. Let them I know that, that I made you I laugh. I fucking earned yeah. that laugh. Yeah. And, uh, and Norm was completely surprising. Like, I couldn't believe how uh, you know, candid he was and how self-aware and how uh, open he was about his, his personal struggles. I, like, after I interviewed Norm, thinking the same thing, like, does he talk differently than, like, because his, his jokes are very staccato and they're very dry and they're, they're kind of, you know, bizarre. And I thought, like, I don't know if I can do an hour like that. And he came in and was like, we were into shit, man. We were into literature. We were into his gambling problem. We were into, like, his struggle with faith and all this stuff. And when he left, I was like, I literally was uh, on the phone with my producer. I'm like, we got to put this up now. <laughs> like, something happened in there. <laughs> That Did was a good episode. What was uh, wild, right? Yeah, yeah. I was at his house when he showed up, and I was, I was like, "Weird, you're fucking just a dude." <laughs> yeah, I, I get that a lot. Well, especially yeah. with a guy like Norm, who, the, you know, his his comedy persona is very. It feels like a brick wall between what right. he does and who he is. Because you, I can't get. I I get a sense that he's this guy that does these crazy little right. jokes, but there's nothing. Doesn't really feel anything personal about what he does. He's just funny. Yeah. And so that you know to have something like that. He was great. I mean, it was like yeah, exactly. So that was kind of mind blowing. There's there's been a lot of moments that I really remember, uh, you know, as being like whoa. But like, but sometimes they're just small moments. I mean, even you know Molly Shannon, you know when she was talking about her parents, uh, about her, uh, her her mom and the car accident and stuff, and 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 like even um, like there's 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 always a moment. Like I had John Glazer on when I don't know when you're putting this up, but he'll be on Monday, and like you know, he was talking about adopting uh, you know a second ch child, and he you know, he got choked up that that, you know, I was so defensive for so long and I was so preemptively hostile to so many people that I don't know if, like, these people... Like, I never had these relationships where people would even feel comfortable talking to me about that kind of stuff mm -hmm. until five years ago. Right. You know, because I was always like, oh, fuck, Marin's here. They're it's going to suck <laughs> And the now energy. you're the fucking guy to go to when people want to, like, you're the fucking... You're almost the therapist for yeah. people to, well, to come on. Well, now that Mark's here, let's all come out of the closet. Oh! <laughs> well, that one wasn't as surprising because, you know, we had to prepare that when yeah. Todd, when, Todd came, when Todd came out, there was a lot of phone calls. Like, no, I'm going to do it, man. I'm going to do yeah. it. I'm looking at right after New Year's. I just get to get a few things in place. And you know, it was funny because someone, uh, someone was like. <laughs> How come Todd didn't come out on your show when he I'm like? Because Marin's the right show, first of all. Well, I think he thought that. That's why he approached me. I think he like it served a dual purpose. Like he, the same reason Todd didn't do it on his own podcast. Exactly, yeah. exactly. You're you're and it, it, so when I found out that because I found out before it went up, I heard like, oh yeah, Todd came out on Marin. I was like, 
Well, that makes perfect sense. That makes perfect well, he sense. Wanted that to that make sure that you know, like you, you know, I guided him a little bit, and, and that I was, you know, and I was nervous about that. I mean, I'd never be- dealt with that situation, and I want, and, and I wa- also wanted to help him, you know, stay on, you know, what he wanted to say because Todd can go, you know, you don't, yeah. and, and also I think it served a, 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 a dual purpose is that he he really didn't want to he, he was ready to come out, but he didn't want to have to email everybody. Right. So he thought that like you know if I could maximize. <laughs> The number of people, <laughs> just a smart bomb, Sorry right, for right, Sam, right. <laughs> and then, I, and, and, but it, it was, it was pretty funny. <laughs> like occasionally, he's funny. Uh, uh, like I got, I got a couple of calls, like you know, within months after him being on the show, and he says, "I think I, sh- I just wanted to check in and tell you that it's still good." Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm still <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, but I, I, but it's therapy for me too. Like if I go a, a week without interviewing people. I get squirrely because I think that like conversation and and just honest talk with with people is very nourishing to you as a person. It, sure. it gets you out of yourself. Yeah, you know that's that's an old you know like uh, recovery trick too. It's like you got to get out of your head. And I'm a very heady guy, so when I'm listening to somebody else, you know I'm out of me and I'm in that, and it, and it's very uh, nourishing. So what's next? Do you have any? I want what like what's next in terms of you have the book coming out, and I know the show's coming out in uh, the fall of 2013. Right there, and the, I'm not sure when the book is coming out, but it's next year. And yeah, I'm just gonna keep doing this, and you know, and I'm I'm touring a lot, and I I uh, I'm, I'm, I enjoy doing comedy uh, more than I ever have, and it might I just need to keep generating. That's I'm very tired <laughs> um, because there's that that thing is like I t- when you talk as openly as I do about yourself, it's sort of like, well, my life is pretty much out there, so I'm going to have to start throwing myself into situations outside of my house in order to <laughs> to keep things Well, uh, but it's lively. very important that you, I think it's very important that you recognize, which you said you had, that comedy doesn't always, you don't have to be a broken right. soul to do comedy because, you know, as you're getting all these things that I assume you had strived for for so long and you're finding happiness in your life and you're finding comfort in ways you never had before, yeah. that, you know... Is there any sort of like, oh, if I'm happy, where's the funny going to come from? Like, are you still comfortable, like, just knowing, like, yeah, you'll still be funny, even if you're happy, you'll be okay? No, no, no. Yeah, I I don't really think like that. I don't feel like I need turmoil, but I I need, you know, fresh thoughts, you know, so I need to put new things in my head. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, I like reading a book or having someone tell me something that blows my mind. I like to have my mind blown. And uh, and I I like laughing, too. Like, I had this weird experience in... uh, up in uh, Grand Rapids, I did the uh, Gilda Fest up there, you mm-hmm. know, the, the yeah. comedy festival. And it had been a long time since, like, I, I really went out. They had this competition where all these, you know, there was a bunch of young comics doing it. And uh, I just had one of these moments where I saw this dude. And I had met him in New York years ago when he, he must have been, you know, much younger. And I barely remembered him. He used to book a room with another comic in New York when I lived there. And, uh, you know, I, I was just watching all these cats do comedy. And there were people I'd never seen before, like uh, like Chad Daniels. I oh, never, Chad's I'd, great. Yeah, and I'd never seen Nikki Glaser really work. Yeah. He's awesome. And, and then there was this dude, Nick Bargatze. And I was like, yeah. holy fuck, where the fuck did this guy come from? I watched four sets and I laughed every time. And and uh, and, and I, I, I'd forgotten what that felt like just to be like, oh, my God, this dude's funny. You know, because we all get so familiar with each other around here. Yeah. Like, yeah. we see each other, like, every week. Or like, yeah. oh, what are you? Oh, there you go. <laughs> Okay. That's the thing he does. Yeah, and I had not seen this guy ever, and uh, it was it was interesting because it, you know it was weird because I had that feeling like I got to go hang out with that guy. <laughs> you know, like, he's, he's probably funny all the time. You know, <laughs> oh, that's great though. And that probably is he a young guy? Yeah, he's pretty young. He's probably what thirty one. You know him? 
I know the name. I think he's done Meltdown before. The name Bargatze sounds. He, yeah, he's doing. I think he's done Conan like twice. But like, I wanted to make sure that I wasn't like you know involved in some sort of weird man crush. So I uh, so I went online to watch his other shit, and I laughed at home. So nice. that you know, oh, good. Know, that seals it. But he's in his thirties, right? Yeah. Good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're funny too. You're comparing You're, I, yourself. I find you very yeah, funny. I'm 31. Oh, watch out. Uh, no, nothing better like, than the comparative timelines. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But also, like, he does long form stuff and it's very articulated and, you know, he takes his time. He doesn't accommodate the audience with any sort of panic about whether or not they're going to get on board. Chad Daniels is like that too. Yeah. Great comic, tells long form jokes. I just, like, you rarely see people do long-form shit. And, yeah. and I find it completely compelling. Like, I, I wrote a bit that it took me months to work out, that airplane thing. Like, I've really started... Like, I watched Bill Cosby himself, like, within the last couple of years, and I finally understood that, like, hey, it's up to us. You know, if we're funny people, we it's it's our stage. We can do whatever we want. And, and you know, he's doing these bits that last 10 minutes. I'm like, I'm going to do a 10-minute bit. So... Like, I've become very, you know, conscious of trying to build out things. So not only, it's not about unhappiness with me now. It's like, how can I expand a moment or a series of moments into something like the comics that I used to really like used to do? You know, if you listen to, to Pryor or even some of those early Woody Allen stuff or, or Shelley Berman or, um, you know, they, any of the older guys, Bob Newhart, is that, you know, you were, there's this idea, like, I get very upset when people go, well, you, you're a storyteller. I'm like, that's stand-up. I, you know, I don't know where, you know, this idea that there's this separate world for storytelling. It's like, listen to any great stand-up that, that really had a personality. They're doing long-form bits. Mm -hmm. you, know, you know, jokes are jokes, but the, the real challenge is to do these long-form bits. So when I see guys do it and do it well, I'm like, um, that's spectacular. Yeah. Like, there's, like, Chad Daniels is like, he'll do like these long things. You don't know where they're going. They're perfectly reasonable family observations, but it all seems seamless. And it's just a long piece of material. I love that. Yeah, and those guys too, like, you know, Chad's one of those guys that just moved to the middle of the country where it was inexpensive and just fucking toured so hard. Yeah, I'd never met him. I'd never seen him before. Yeah, I've, I've done a bunch of shows with him. He's great. He's And really nice guy, too. Yeah, he was. Like, And of course, like, this is old me. Like, I get to that thing and I'm like, why is that guy giving me stink eye? <laughs> you know? and, and, and like, I went up to somebody and I'm like, what's up with that Chad Daniels guy? I think he's giving me fucking, you know, stink eye. And they're like, he's the nicest guy in the world. I'm like, I don't think so. Like, for me, <laughs> like that, so. that's who I am. Like, you know, like, I, I pick the nicest guy at the place and I decide that guy's fucking with me. Fuck that guy. What's he doing? Yeah, and, he, and we hung out. He's the nicest guy in the world. So what do you uh, just really quickly before we before we let okay. you go what's your... Do you, is there anything you can tell people about your show yet, or do you, you? Well, it's a single camera, it's scripted show. It, it's uh, you know, I got a deal. We're we're going straight to series. We did a pilot presentation, and that sold the show. We're mm -hmm. doing ten episodes in the fall of next year, and it's going to be uh, uh, a single camera script, scripted show. The podcast, you know, it, it's all going to be elevated because it's not going to sure. it's not a documentary it's not the podcast on tv you know the primary characters in the pilot were you know ed asner played my dad i hope he can do it in the series you know seth morris was my producer and i had someone play my girlfriend and you know i don't know how angela that, trimmer yeah i don't know how the casting's all going to pan out or what happens now because i've never done this before but we're going to start talking about you know showrunners and that kind of stuff but it is going to be uh, a scripted show cool yeah so that's that's that. Wow. Well, congratulations, and and you know I I I do, uh, you know I I do I weekly I'll sort of go onto iTunes and go where's everyone at? All right, good. Mm -hmm. And and I do still like seeing just weekly, huh? It really is just weekly. <laughs> it, I swear to God, it is. It, I swear to God, it is. Well, weekly. you're too busy exercising. I'm sure if you weren't. <laughs> <on> the, uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> it's fucking ten. It's a good course. Two more. It's a good course. Uh, it's fucking two more. Yeah. 
Hey, you hand me uh, some muscle so milk over there. What was the end of that story and your weekly visit to iTunes? I, that I just like seeing that, you know, uh, that we're all still, like, around each other. Like, I kind of like seeing the relationship to the the handful of shows that are always sort of circling each other. Like, here's, uh, here's my experience when I turn on, when I look at iTunes, only weekly as well. Um, <laughs> 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 it just so happened that my uh, my weekly visit was this, was today three times. And... Uh, <laughs> And and I, here's what I do. I, I, I usually experience. I'm like fucking Nerdist. Oh man, oh, who's that guy? Who who put that out? Nerdist put that out. What's this show? Fucking Nerdist. Yeah. <laughs> well, Let's see. What do you have in the wait, wait, wait. fucking Phoebe? Hey, hey what, what, was, a good show. what I meant to say was like, and then I I didn't finish it. Oh, good for Chris. Oh yeah, hey. yeah. yeah. No, no. A, I I mean I it's it's so petty because you know you know that's meaningless, right? They, I do. Um, yeah, I do. But I, also it's like listen to me. Like right, you do right. You know it's meaningless. <laughs> number one guy today. Are you talking to yourself? Hey, number one guy. Do you know it's meaningless? It's meaningless, but it's not meaningless. <laughs> We have no other way to gauge what we do. Like, no, you do. You can look at your numbers at your server. But that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. I mean, I'm, no, I, yeah, I mean, looking at numbers is how we gauge. Things. I never do that. I'd rather look at at iTunes, which is an algorithm that is of like I don't even understand. Pattern. Yeah. I don't even understand the equation. But that's what I'm going to base my anxiety. I think daylight on. savings and leap years have yeah. something to do. Yeah, there's yeah, a little exactly. bit of. Uh, I think uh, the, the relation of the servers to the to the magnetosphere. Spring solstice, yeah. everything yeah. goes up. In all honesty. Um, like despite my my pettiness and and like weird jealousy and and my own paranoia, you know, I always have a good time with you, and I, and I don't I don't really have any uh, real aggression. Uh, it's fun know, aggression. It's not. It's no. It's not. I mean, if you were to call me during the day at the wrong moment, it would not be fun for either. Sure. Okay, <laughs> but. But I do know that, like, I'm, I'm thrilled to be part of this medium, and, and, and for me, you know, the growth of this medium and the freedom we have uh, as, as, uh, as creative people is, is phenomenal. And, and I, I, my biggest problem is with people who, who are already trivializing the medium, and, and like, you know, we, the, comp the competition is not really that essential. It's just, like, I, I still have the personality of a kid who always feels left out. And, you know, I'm clearly not that kid anymore, but there's reactions in me that I'm like, what are all those guys doing, you know? Yeah. So, you, you know, that gets the best of me, but... Look, I I think it's amazing that we've we've built these things and that and that the medium's still growing. I think our our main priority as podcasters, oddly, is that you know when you really look at the biggest numbers that anyone's getting, like you know even like uh, uh, this American Life is it. right. But but you know there was an article recently that 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 really sort of like let the cat out of the bag in terms of oh, how big I, his numbers were. Like I it, read that like, right, like almost a, like eight hundred thousand. Right, but that's nothing. I mean, in the context of the media world, sure. I mean, it's very small. So, like in, in my mind, it's like I'd like to bring more people to what we're doing since we're, we're doing something that's never been done before, and we have this freedom. Yeah. So, like in my mind, it's like you know, how do we get people to you know to just make the jump? Like, there's still people that aren't that much older than us, and some people who are our age are like, how do you fucking get a podcast? Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> like, like there, there's some sort of weird. Uh, do we really have yeah. to just does, does everything have to be spoon fed like brought to you by a fucking robot yeah so i'm just excited like i had a guy write about me in the av club who was sort of like you know are we learning too much about I read these it people? right and i got furious the about bubble that. the podcast bubble article yeah, but, but but it's like what are you talking about you're talking to a small world of people most people have no fucking idea yeah. who most of us are yeah and and you're like you know i'm getting a little tired of paul duncan <laughs> well how much nerdist do we need it's like yeah. shut. you went to three shows <laughs> in la that were free free shows 
<laughs> you know, you're not even paying to see comedy, and there's a bunch of unbilled comics, and you're like, oh, I've already seen this. You know, what yeah. the fuck? There's an entire country out there that uh, that we'd love to have involved with this. Thing. Well, also, there's the idea of like, you know, you are actively pursuing a thing that you care about, and you're doing a lot of work, and you're putting something into the world that wasn't there before, and then someone else comes along, and it's just they send off the sidelines, and they go. Yeah, like I, I feel I like hate those fucking people because they're parasites. It's like they need to fill content, and their content is based on shitting on things when they find the next thing. And I'm telling you, the 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 space in between things is way too small now. I mean, it used to be like here's a thing, and then a year later it's like here's a new thing. Now it's like here's a thing. Three days later, you're like, oh, that thing's tired. Here's the new <laughs> thing, <laughs> old. And like that's not criticism. That's just feeding. Well, you just you just you just want to get like for me. It's just like, don't just stand on the sidelines and criticize things. Like, go out and make a thing. Like, go out and put something I did. positive I made into this the world. Blog post. Yeah. Yeah. Or celebrate the fact that, like, my my whole re reaction to that was like, you're looking at something that is more strangely democratic than anything. It's like it's got all of the free market principles with absolutely no money involved for most people. <laughs> right. So instead of saying like I'm a little tired of these guys, there's thousands of podcasts. Go find the fucking gem. Go find the needle in the haystack. You know, there's some guy out there sitting in a base doing something amazing celebrate that do a little fucking homework don't well, just stay in the fucking you know two block radius and complain that you're well, tired of walking around them yeah and also it, there was there was the is the is the bubble bursting and I love that you made the point it's like yeah most people like my father doesn't fucking know what a podcast is I still haven't really been able to explain it to him like most people in this country the fact that they're writing that there's a bubble kind of makes me think like oh maybe it's gonna tip soon I still don't think it's tipped in our tiny insulated world it feels like Oh, it's changed everything, and maybe to a degree it has, but it is still not mainstream. Not at all. By any no. stretch. Not at all. And I and I and I don't know what 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 it means for it to be mainstream necessarily. But maybe it doesn't need to be. But, well, yeah. Well, someone's going to figure it out. I mean, probably you. But um, <laughs> I think I think Gervais did. Everything else is just you know underground. Well, no, I I just think that there's a lot of like sort of like true. Uh, renegade shit going on. Yeah, it's and, a good time. It's, it's a, a real, real fun time. It's a real kind of DIY garage kind of deal. And and no one knows. Like a lot of people think, like, well, all you got to do for a podcast is just you know set up mics and talk. Well, yeah, you might not be compelling, but you might find a few people to listen to you. But but not unlike indie rock, there's got to be shit out there where you're. Where pe and I don't have time to find it. And I and that's why I want critics to do their job. It's like instead of sit there and go like I'm bored, why don't you fucking sit there for a weekend and go find some wild shit. And, and present it to you, to somebody who can take it somewhere or, or, or celebrate something that's like, wow, this is amazing and no one's ever heard about this guy. You, you're telling me they're, they're, they're not out there? Someone find the Nirvana of podcasting. Please. <laughs> so I can resent them. <laughs> <laughs> Mark Maron, thank you so much for coming back on again. It's been, it's been too long, sir, and we're uh, thrilled to have you back on. And, and please, thank, well, well, thank you for doing what you do because, uh, you know, you... You help legitimize this medium that we're all in, and you know, like every every time you get uh, every time you get Norm to open up, or every time you know you get someone else to come on, and like it just it just kind of raises the water a little bit for everyone. So oh, cool. so thank you. I, I really I sincere. I'm not. I'm seriously not trying to kiss your ass when I say this, but I sincerely appreciate what what you're doing. And uh, thank for you, all of Chris. Us. And, and I and I appreciate you. And I'm sorry if I am a, I'm a dick sometimes. No, you're you're a huggable Grinch sometimes. <laughs> it's an adorable. <laughs> That's the name of my new. CD. <laughs> <laughs> it's also your rapper name. Yeah. Enjoy your burrito, everybody. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. 
This episode of the Nerdist Podcast was brought to you by the Nerdist Channel on YouTube. Click now, subscribe, so you can get updates and videos from stuff that will be relevant to your interests. I promise, youtube.com slash Nerdist. Go right now and click subscribe. I less than three you. For more than two centuries, the White House has been the stage for some of the most dramatic scenes in American history. Inspired by the hit podcast American History Tellers, Wondery and William Morrow present the new book, The Hidden History of the White House. Each chapter will bring you inside the fierce power struggles, the world-altering decisions, and shocking scandals that have shaped our nation. You'll be there when the very foundations of the White House are laid in 1792, and you'll watch as the British burn it down in 1814. Then you'll hear the intimate conversations between FDR and Winston Churchill as they make plans to defeat Nazi forces in 1941. And you'll be in the Situation Room when President Barack Obama approves the raid to bring down the most infamous terrorist in American history. Pre-order The Hidden History of the White House now in hardcover or digital editions wherever you get your books.